and welcome back to the Disney World Today podcast. I am your ghost host for the day, Kevin Pope. Hope everyone's having a magical day, magical week. Hope everything's going good with you guys, especially this time of year, Christmas, the holidays, New Year's. We made it. We made it to the end of, uh, you know, almost the end of 2022. Um, Recording this a few days early to try to get it out a little before, you know, the holiday. And it's something I've always liked to do because, you know, not not everyone is able to just kind of stay home and, uh, you know, kind of do nothing around the holidays. Like, I was always the one that always had to drive, you know, on Christmas, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Like, even growing up, um, you know, my... My, di- my dad's side of the family, we always celebrated Christmas Eve, and we all lived in the same town, so that was like a two-minute drive. But uh, Christmas Day, we'd go to my mom's side, and sometimes, you know, that was kind of a drive, 30-minute drive or so, you know, back and forth. And then as I got older, you know, traveling, you know, with my my wife and her family, you know, kind of the same thing, I'd kind of go back and forth. So I was always driving, you know, at some point on either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or both, Um and over the last few years, I definitely can appreciate, you know, having something to listen to. And at, at this point in the year, at this point, I'm just so burned out on Christmas music because it's been like playing nonstop, you know, everywhere you go since Thanksgiving. So when I'm driving, when I'm traveling, I like to listen to some podcasts. So hopefully I can provide that for you if you're listening to this uh, Merry Christmas and safe travels. Hopefully I can provide you with a little Disney magic around this time of year. Before we get into the episode, I got to plug everything. Uh, Social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Instagram and TikTok, those are the big two. Uh, TikTok, I'm making a push, guys. I'm making a push for 10,000 followers. Made it to 9,000. We're there. We're almost there. Um, You know, I, I try to post as many TikToks and stuff as possible. Instagram, that's uh, that's the main one. If you want to reach me there, my DMs are always open. If you want to reach out, shoot me a message, uh, say what's up, tell me if you like the show, tell me if you don't like the show, if you have ideas or suggestions for show for the show, you know, topic ideas, lists, rankings, top fives, anything like that. Or if you find like something cool, you know, Disney related reels, retro Disney stuff, anything like, anything like that, or just you know, life stuff. Send it my way. Love talking with you guys. Uh, YouTube, I'm trying to build up my YouTube slowly. I don't really post that much on there, but you guys can check it out if you want. And also, wherever you're listening to this, if you can leave a rating and a review and hit that subscribe button, it's super quick and super easy. Would definitely love to uh, get some new reviews uh, You know, for Christmas. That'd be nice. Hint, hint. Uh, if I could get a review from you guys, if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, that's the social media been posting as much as I can on there. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's a job, but sometimes it's tough to, you know, find stuff to post. Cause I don't want to be the guy that just like forcefully posts stuff like all the time. Like I believe it or not, I do put a little bit of thought and effort into my, my reels and my videos. Um, because I really do love making those cause they're for like the Disney diehards. They're for you guys. Um, and then maybe that's why I don't get a lot of views because a lot of my Disney videos, like you guys get it. Disney diehards, like the real fans, they get it. Casual fans 90% of the time might have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm okay with that. Last week we had a Christmas themed episode. We were talking top five Disney attractions that should get a holiday overlay. And I was kind of just listening back the other day, putting up some stuff for YouTube. And I found out, so my number five, spoiler alert was the Country Bear Jamboree. Um, 
And when I was doing some research, I found out that that actually used to be a thing. Like back in the day, there used to be a Christmas-themed country bear jamboree show. I think it was like the Christmas jamboree or something like that. You know, why doesn't Disney bring that back? They've done it before, you know, so it can't be that hard to do. So just bring it back. It would it would breathe some life into the country bear, you know, jamboree and kind of get people to want to go see it. You know, I'm, I'm in that group like I, I haven't seen country bear jamboree in, in five or six years. And you know what? I'm kind of OK with that. But if they did like a special Christmas edition. I would definitely go out of my way to do it. Um, so we, I gave you guys my list. Uh, thank you for the feedback, as always. And at the end of the episode, uh, I uh, asked you guys what your you know ideas for Christmas-themed rides would be. So thank you for, for participating. Now on to this week's episode. Another Christmas-themed one figured, why not? We might as well talk about the big one, the one that we all miss, the Osborne Family Lights at Disney's Hollywood Studios. We're just going to kind of go over the history of it and what it was all about. So let's get into it. Here we go. Your attention, please. The Walt Disney World Railroad, now boarding for a scenic trip around the Magic Kingdom. Board. So if you guys have been listening to me in the show and are, you know, kind of a fan of the show, you you guys know me. You have a pretty good idea of me and uh, my Disney fandom. You know that I don't like change. And I think um, a lot of us old school Disney fans, us Disney diehards, that's the case. We don't like change. We don't like, you know, necessarily when Disney um, introduces new attractions show rides because usually it means that they close something down to make room for this new attraction or show or or whatever it may be and that's what bothers me because it's hard to get excited about something new when in order to open it they had to close you know something that we loved you guys also know that i love having christmas themed episodes and you know if you've been listening i like when Disney kind of goes all out for the theming. Like, I want Christmas, or, you know, I'm sorry, the holidays um, at Disney to be a resort-wide thing. Not just a Mickey's Christmas party at the Magic Kingdom after hours. You know, not just a few little decorations here or there. And to to be fair, to give them some credit, you know, Disney's gotten a lot better at that with, with Christmas, at least. Like, Halloween, they're lacking severely. Christmas, though, you know, if you if you really do think about it, they have Mickey's Christmas party at the Magic Kingdom. They have all the decorations at the Magic Kingdom. They have the Jingle Cruise at the Magic Kingdom. Epcot, they uh, they added a holiday overlay to living with the land. You know, there's some Christmas decorations there. They've done a lot more decorating at the resorts, you know. A lot of the hotel lobbies have the giant Christmas trees. You can see gingerbread houses at Grand, Grand Floridian. So I love that stuff. Like... Going to Disney for the holidays should be a one-of-a-kind, special, and unique experience. Like, everyone resort-wide should get a taste of it, not just the people who, you know, have have Christmas party tickets. So, this kind of expands on that. Like, we're talking about the Osborne Family uh, Spectacle of Lights, 
which is no longer there. Like if you're a new listener, if you're a younger listener who, you know, didn't go to Disney before, I think like 2019, maybe you have no idea what the Osborne lights are. So basically that's what this episode is going to be all about. The history of the Osborne family lights, what they were, why I miss them, why I wish they were still there. Um, just to kind of give you guys an idea of what it was all about and, you know, kind of just keep us in the Christmas spirit here. So the official name was the Osborne Family Spectacle of Lights. And you'll just kind of probably hear me refer to it. And a lot of people just kind of called it the Osborne Lights or the Osborne Family Lights. And yes, I need to answer it. It's not, it's not based off of Ozzy Osborne and Sharon Osborne and the Osbournes. Okay, I just had to get that out there because... For a while there, it was a little confusing because you had the Osborne lights at Disney. The Osbournes were pretty popular in like the early 2000s with their own MTV show. Just had to put that out there. The Osborne lights also, it's something, it's something that definitely represents what Disney used to be and not necessarily what they are now. And what I mean by that is pretty much like the way that the Osborne lights started if that was today, I I don't think it would happen. I don't think Disney would do it. So we're, we'll get into that. So the Osborne lights started and were created because of a family in a small Arkansas town back in the 80s, believe it or not. Like that's, there's a backstory to these lights. And what the Osborne lights were, it was basically just a giant Christmas light display at Disney's Hollywood Studios, formerly MGM Studios, on the kind of backlot area of of the park, the Streets of America, it was called. And it was a giant Christmas light display with millions of lights um, that was later set and synchronized to music. And they, the lights would be, you know, always on display. And then every once in a while, they would kind of sync them up and have like a music show um, with the lights kind of blinking and, and going on and off to the music. So. That is is something you probably see now like on YouTube or maybe like your neighbors, like people decorate their houses and, you know, they sync them up to music, which nowadays kind of easy to do. Like, I feel like you can just buy it like at Home Depot or Walmart. You just kind of plug the lights in and upload the, the song and it does it for you. But back then, back in the 80s and 90s, like this was a big thing. You didn't see this everywhere. So to see it at Disney, you know, was a big deal. So as the story goes, Jennings Osborne, the uh, the father of the family, uh, and his his wife and children lived in, uh, I think they're like in a suburb of Little Rock, Arkansas. And it was 1986 and his daughter Breezy, now that's a cool name, uh, his daughter Breezy asked her father if they could decorate their house for Christmas with Christmas lights. So being the cool and kind of, you know, fun-loving dad that he was, he put together a, uh, a light display in their house that was over a thousand lights. That's pretty impressive for like the first time. Now, it doesn't say exactly how much they decorated before this, but to go from kind of nothing to a thousand lights, pretty impressive. Definitely pretty impressive. And uh, Breezy would say that every year after that he would just add more and more lights and they had a decent sized house and land you know down there in arkansas i don't think it was necessarily a farm but they definitely had a lot of land 
um, of what I read, it was kind of like two lots kind of side by side. So they had, you know, a good amount of land to put up these displays. And by 1993, uh, their display had over 3 million lights. Now, I don't know whose job it was to count those lights or if they were just kind of estimating, but 3 million lights? Like, I, I put up like probably, I don't even know, a couple hundred lights. Like, we only have like three bushes uh, and I did some icicle lights and I was like, that was enough for me. I can't even imagine, you know, doing 3 million lights. And it wasn't just your normal Christmas lights. Like, he was putting up like full structures. Like, they had like a giant globe you know, like of like the earth, they had, you know, lettering and words, they had angels, they had carousels. So it wasn't like he was just putting out a bunch of bush lights and icicle lights. He had these giant, you know, sculptures pretty much made, you know, of different objects that would light up, you know, the entire area. You know, one of the more iconic features was this giant uh, Christmas tree that uh, you would see at Disney. Like that was uh, I believe the daughter said like they had that mounted on top of their roof, like right above uh, their kitchen on the roof was this giant, like 13 foot tall illuminated Christmas tree. Um, and we're, we're about to get into it, but I'm sure as you can guess, the neighbors, um, some of them probably loved it, but uh, some of them did not enjoy his giant display. So his family, they kind of became famous in Little Rock, you know, in their area because of this. So you know, every Christmas or around that time, um, I think they said they'd have them lit up for about like 30 or 35 days. Um, you know, people would come from all over the state, maybe even, you know, from around even more to come see their Christmas light display. And I guess like the street that they lived on, it wasn't some, you know, small, you know, countryside road. It was actually a busy street like in town. Um, so they would have news crews coming out to take, you know, videos and interviews and people would come over and, you know, stop and get out and take pictures. And uh, it turned into a huge event, um, so much so that by 1993, six of his neighbors um, filed a lawsuit. You know, that's, that's a tough situation because, you know, now that I'm a homeowner, like I think about stuff like that, like I don't think the light itself would bother me. Uh, but imagine like you're just trying to get home from a long day of work you're pulling down your street and it takes you like 30 minutes just to get, you know, 20 feet and park on your driveway. Or imagine you can't pull out of your driveway, you know, because there's just a sea of people in crowds for, you know, 30 straight days. Like, that'd be kind of tough. That would be tough. I think I would probably, at a certain point, you're like, okay, like, enough already. Like, we can't deal with this. You know, once it starts to affect, like, your day-to-day -day life and, you know, so I, I can't really blame the neighbors that much you know, file a lawsuit maybe is a stretch. I don't think I would do that right away. I would hope that they talk to the town first, you know, and maybe be like, hey, can we do something about this? It's affecting us. It's affecting our street and our lives and everything. I know, you know, in uh, in Chicago around here, like some of the suburbs, there's some houses around that kind of decorate crazy like that. There's this one house. It's about 45 minutes away from me. We went and saw it a couple years ago. It's this kind of similar thing, I don't, probably not to that scale, but it's this giant Christmas light display uh, at this one house. And he's got, you know, giant inflatable structures and he's got like, uh, you know, these, these almost like animatronic reindeer and a giant Christmas tree and music. And 
it's not like it's his house alone, like on a big plot of land. Like he's got neighbors directly to the left and right of him. And I would have to imagine that it kind of gets to the point where you just want it to end. Like if you're the neighbor, I know when we went, like they had their street blocked off. Um, so you couldn't like park or drive like down their street. You had to park far away and kind of walk, but still like now you have just people like always crowded around your house, always walking around like the traffic just to get to your house, you know, it's a hassle. So I definitely can kind of see where the neighbors were coming from. So the family and the, uh, the neighbors, they went to court and initially the court ruled that they had to cut down the display to only 15 days and they could only operate it and have the lights on stuff from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Um, you know, some of the neighbors were claiming it would take two hours to get to the, the corner store. The traffic congestion was so bad. You know, and then they kind of bring up the fact that it's a safety hazard. Like if an emergency vehicle had to get through, it couldn't. So, you know, at first they cut it down 15 days, you know, 7 to 10 p.m. Not terrible. I think that would be doable. Um, but I guess that wasn't enough because by 1995, uh, they were told that they had to shut down the display altogether. Now, it, it, it sucks that they had to kind of shut down their display, but, you know, this was actually a good thing in the end because when the, uh, when the court went, or when the, when the case went to court, it kind of became a national, like, news story. A lot of news, you know, stations were covering it. Here's this giant Christmas house that's, you know, going to court you know, lawsuits against its neighbors, like what's going to happen? You know, the Supreme Court had to rule on it. Uh, so it became, it, it drew like national media attention. So this is when Disney finds it. Disney sees, you know, this family builds this light display, this light structure. They see the court case. They see that they lost. And because of this, Disney offers, you know, the family, the Osborne family, like, hey, we, you know, we love your light display we would like to set it up at our theme park, Hollywood Studios, at MGM Studios. Now, what I couldn't find, I I don't know if Disney paid them for it or or how that worked. I have no idea. I couldn't find anything on that. Like if they, you know, paid the family for the lights, if they paid the family for the naming rights, I don't know how that worked, but Disney pretty much offered them like, hey, we want to put your, you know, your light display, the Osborne lights, um, on our back lot, uh, they called it a residential street. And uh, at first Jennings uh, Osborne thought that they meant a normal residential street in Orlando, just some random street. He thought they were gonna put the lights up. He didn't realize at first that the theme park had a you know section of the park that was themed like streets. Uh, so that's that had to be you know pretty mind blowing for him to realize like, oh, wait a minute, this isn't just some random street. This is actually in their theme park. And it has our name, the Osborne know family lights like that had to be a pretty surreal moment for him you know a a blue collar guy from Arkansas who started a light display on his house to kind of get in the Christmas spirit loved Christmas wanted to uh you know he did it for his daughter you know and next thing you know Disney's knocking on the door saying hey we want to put this in our park and have your name on it like that's got to be a great feeling so the display was set up pretty quickly and uh debuted there in 1995 uh, in the uh, Streets of America section of the park, you know that whole back section. Again, if you're if you're a younger listener, if you know you don't remember, it's uh, it was like the back lot tour area, and it's where currently you know Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is. And it, it 
at first it was originally developed, you know, like a backlot, like a movie set. So there's a couple different like residential streets that were made to look like the streets of New York and I believe the streets of San Francisco. Um, and, you know, if need be, you could film commercials or movies or, you know, whatever and use those streets and it would look like you were actually in New York, in San Francisco, which I always thought was really cool. Now, unfortunately, they didn't really film much there. I want to say there was something that like Bette Midler did where they actually used them. But for the most part, I, you know, no real big movies or shows actually use them. It's not like, you know, I went to California once and uh, we did a movie studio tour of, I think we did Paramount or Warner Brothers. I don't remember now. I think we did Warner Brothers. Um, and it's basically like we walked around like their backlot area where it was like fake streets, fake houses. You know, we saw where they filmed Gilmore Girls, um, like stuff like that. Like they, Disney had that kind of on a smaller scale, you know, in MGM Studios. And what was cool is, you know, one of their attractions was called the Backlot Tour. And it was basically a tram ride. It was a tour pretty much where you would kind of drive around that area and get a tour of, you know, different sets for filming, different movie props, different like costumes and designers. And you would cut through one, you know, section was you'd actually like go through the building where they, you know, create props and create costumes and you could see them actually, you know, working on it. And it was, it was so cool uh, to see that and to think like, whoa, they, you know, they've actually filmed stuff here and they could film, you know, movies and TV shows here. It really was a section of the park that I always loved. I always enjoyed it. You know, I don't really know why, you know, I love the backlot tour, but just taking like the streets of America, I always felt it was kind of underrated and underutilized. Like, I just thought it was cool being able to walk around and be like, this could be a movie set, you know, at Disney, at a theme park. And I just wish that they filmed more, you know, popular stuff there, whether it was Disney Channel or movies or what. But I think that would have been, you know, pretty cool. So this new area of the park with the Christmas lights, I believe it was around 59,000 square feet. So a, a large area. You know, this this isn't just Christmas lights on a house. This is a large area, almost like a city block, you know. Um, and I believe up until like 2001 or around there, the, the Osborne family at their family house in Arkansas would still decorate just on a smaller scale. Um, meanwhile, at Disney, they have, you know, miles and miles of lights and extension cords and structures. I think they said it was like f over 15 miles worth of lights and 33 miles of extension cards. Like imagine that power bill. But what was cool is that Disney would just kind of add to it here and there every year and every year it would grow. You know, at first it was like the family's, you know, lights and displays and structures and stuff. And then Disney eventually, you know, would add more lights, add more structures, add, you know, snow machines, add music, add LED stuff. So what was, what I do appreciate and I do love is that Disney always kept the name you know, the Osborne family spectacle of lights, they, they honored that. And they kept a lot of their original lights and displays and structures. You know, Disney also said it would take them like 20,000 man hours to set up all of the lights and the displays. And they would start setting it up, I want to say in like mid-August or September. Like there was definitely times I was at Disney and, you know, when I was a kid you know, mid-August, and I feel like I definitely saw them, like, putting up Christmas lights or seeing some of the lights up, you know, on the buildings already. 
in 2004 is when that whole area of the park started to change that's when the construction began on the lights camera action stunt show and they built like the stadium there and the practice facility and all that stuff they had to kind of renovate that streets of america area they demolished a small section of it so they kind of had to mess around and change up the displays and move stuff over a little bit but they still you know kept adding to it 2004 is when they added the snow machines you know disney had recently signed a sponsorship deal with sylvania they sponsored the show so they were putting money into it 2006 they added 1500 different dimmer and um, lighting effect uh kind of control so then you know this is pretty much when they started synchronizing the the lights to the music and in 2011 only four years before it closed uh, they did a huge major overhaul and claimed that they replaced every single light uh, with led bulbs um, and they said it was state-of-the-art Everything was LED, they added all the controls, They everything was, was set up to synchronize perfectly to music. And this is when you see, you know, if you go on YouTube and look up you know, the, the Osborne family spectacle of lights, you can definitely tell the difference. It doesn't look like old 80s and 90s Christmas lights, everything's LED, everything's synced up professionally to music and dimmers and the way they control it. But I thought that was interesting, you know, the the lights went away in 2015 and only four years prior to that you know they did a major over overhaul like this and they couldn't have been cheap but more more importantly like there's no way that was like an easy changeover like changing over all of those lights and stuff to leds that's a lot of work that's a lot of work to put into something you know for it to only last four more years and you know maybe it was the sponsors wanting to spend money and change it maybe it was disney you know maybe they just didn't see it coming you know and they you know at least they planned on keeping it around for a long time um and it's too bad that it didn't because like i said it in 2015 it was announced uh that it was closing and then it would be the final season the final showing uh was scheduled for january 3rd 2016 and they actually added three extra nights to that because it was so popular so crowded everyone was going there to try to see the lights for the last time you know it's not that long ago 2016 i guess is what eight no is that no six years ago oh my god whoa six years ago still a long times away but like to me like 2016 feels like last year and i remember when they announced it and i remember the merchandise and the t-shirts you know that they released you know of the final you know year and the final showing of the osborne family lights and the reason for this, unfortunately, you know, as I mentioned earlier, was to make way for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That entire section of the park was getting demolished. And, you know, to be fair and to be honest, that's part of the reason why I, you know, don't like Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Like I, I've always mentioned, in order, you know, Disney is always kind of creating new stuff and new shows and new attractions and new lands. But like I said, unfortunately... It usually involves them closing something that we love. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. I'm a casual fan. I don't need a Star Wars themed land or hotel or anything like that. I loved the Christmas lights. And to hear them say that, oh yeah, we're going to tear down this entire section of the park to make it Star Wars. Definitely left a uh, bitter taste in my mouth.
So I apologize if the audio is a little weird uh, for the rest of this episode. I'm currently driving here in Chicago and we have like a massive snowstorm blizzard coming where uh, we could get anywhere from like 8 to 20 inches of snow and the temperature is dropping from 30 degrees to like negative 20 and it's currently 12 degrees and I've been sitting in traffic for almost 30 minutes already. So I'm gonna have, I might do some recording here just to kind of help keep my sanity. So bear with me guys. So Disney announces that they're, uh, you know, gonna get rid of the Osborne family lights and the entire Streets of America section of the park for, for Galaxy's Edge. And I think we were all kind of feeling the same way. I think we were all sad. I think we were all sad to see it go because the lights were special. I know you can only see it, you know, a couple months during the year, but it's one of those things that made Christmas at Disney very unique and special. And the worst part about it is they haven't replaced that. Like, okay, I get it. It's Star Wars. It's hard for me to blame Disney for doing what they did. But I, I don't understand why they didn't find a way to incorporate the Osborne lights somewhere else on the resort. You know, like, even if it wasn't the exact setup, like, I don't know where you would put it. You know, probably Animal Kingdom or Epcot would be your best bet if you wanted to just kind of copy and paste. Or maybe even, that it, it, you know, a different section of Hollywood Studios. Like, why couldn't you do it down Sunset Boulevard, you know? And they've done, like, minor things, like like a, a projection show on Tower of Terror and stuff. But I, I don't get why they didn't bring that back in some aspect. Like, create, instead of the Osborne lights, if you didn't want to do that and you wanted to move on, create a new light show and do it at Hollywood Studios. Do it at Animal Kingdom or Epcot. You know, do it at one of the resorts, Disney Springs. Like, find somewhere to do it, you know. You had this amazing light show that was special to Christmas at Disney you got rid of it and it was beloved and you just never replaced it. That's what I don't understand. I do think that they should bring back some sort of Christmas light display though. Um, you know, if you're kind of familiar with the area, they do um, a light show in Celebration, Florida. Um, and I think it's like all for charity. And I think that they use the old Osborne family lights, uh, or at least like the light displays that were left over over there in Celebration. It's like something, it's something to do with like a million lights, like Festival of a Million Lights or something like that. And I've heard that's really cool and I've seen pictures and I think they even did like a TV special on ABC maybe uh, a few years ago. But I do think that Disney should do something. You know, maybe you do it on a smaller scale, like I said, at Hollywood Studios on Sunset Boulevard. Maybe you do it at Epcot World Showcase. Maybe you do it somewhere at Animal Kingdom. I don't know, you gotta do something. You know, even if you did it at the resorts, you know, Fort Wilderness, I always kind of bring up, and I talked about in the Halloween episode, that I thought that they should do something Halloween-themed at Fort Wilderness because they have so much land there, and you know, they do, like, a golf cart parade, and a lot of the, the, you know, guests kind of decorate their campsites and stuff. Like, maybe you do, like, a Christmas festival at Fort Wilderness. You know, you'd have to, you know, find a way to accommodate you know, all guests, not just the ones staying at Fort Wilderness, you know, but I think it would be cool if you did like a light display, a little Christmas village, a Kris Kringle Mart, you know, something like that, I think would be really cool. And it would definitely kind of add that uniqueness back to Disney at Christmas time. I hinted at it uh, earlier in the episode, but think about everything I just talked about, how a small family from Arkansas started a Christmas light display 
that got so big that they got sued by their neighbors and the Supreme Court ruled against them and then Disney invited them to set it up at their park. I hate to say it, but I don't think that would ever happen today. I can't imagine Disney doing anything close to this now. I, you know, is that just me? Am I wrong? Like, think about it. If, if, the, if the Osborne lights never happened and we know Disney now, you know, as we know it, this big company that, you know, has maybe somewhat of a tainted reputation right now. Think about if they, if there was some family in Arkansas that had lights that, you know, got shut down. Think about if Disney was like, hey, you know what? We like what you did. We want to use your family's name and we're going to put you in our park. I just don't think it would ever happen. Like if Disney did like a light display now, as you see, hear me uh, changing lanes here during a blizzard. If Disney did like some sort of light show now, it would probably be like movie themed. It would be like Frozen themed or there'd be like a big sponsor. I just, I don't think they would do something like this. This reminds me of like Disney of old. Like this is like, you know, uh, family business Disney, not mega corporation Disney, if that makes sense. But just kind of to wrap things up, you know, the, the Osborne lights, I hope, uh, you know, I hope that they do bring something back similar because it's one of those things too, like if you never got to experience it, I can imagine, like, look it up on YouTube. Just look it up. There's, you know, luckily the last shows, like, where people were able to get HD and 4K footage of. So you can kind of experience, like, how magical it actually was. You know, of, of course, it's not as good as actually being there, but it's pretty darn close. I just, it, it's something that people missed out on. If you didn't get to experience it, you know, for years to come, if they never replace it, I'll tell my family, my kids, my friends about this cool light show that they used to have at Hollywood Studios. You know, before there was Star Wars, there was the Osborne family lights. And I just hope they bring that back so that more people and more families and more kids and more generations, you know, can have that same experience. You know, I went to, I've been to Disney twice around uh, the holidays. And the first time, Arguably, the main reason why we wanted to go was the Osborne lights. It was like Mickey's Christmas party, Osborne lights, you know, the Christmas decorations. And then, then, you know, we wanted to go just because it's Disney and we love Disney. But we didn't even go to Mickey's Christmas party. We spent the entire night, you know, at Hollywood Studios, you know, watching the lights and taking pictures and videos and waiting, you know, for the moments that the, uh, you know, the music would start to play and the lights would sync up to the music. And I remember buying a hot chocolate and drinking a hot chocolate at Disney, something I never thought I would ever do because I would always go in July. And it was just so cool. It's so magical. And I, I, I just hope one day we can get something that was at least somewhat close to what the Osborne lights were. But that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Um, basically we touched on everything the history of the Osborne lights it's you now I was a little worried about being able to fill you know an entire episode about it but I think I did pretty good um, and thank you guys for bearing with me here with the audio I know it's not gonna be great uh, but I've been like I said sitting in traffic and uh, this kind of helped me pass the time so thank you guys for allowing me to do this thank you guys for listening if you're driving traveling for the holidays while listening to this safe travels have a have a great time wherever you're going 
whether you're spending time with family or coming back or wherever you're doing you know enjoy enjoy the time off if you're uh, got a few days off work I know I have a got to leave work early uh, today and we have a four day weekend I am so looking forward to that uh, so I hope you guys can enjoy that time off as well and wherever you're listening to this if you can hit that subscribe button leave a rating and a review if anyone wants to give me a Christmas present uh, I'll take it in the form of reviews if you write me a review on the uh, iTunes on my iTunes page I'll give you a shout out on the very next episode. And if you aren't already, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Disney World Today. Shoot me a DM. They're always open. If you have ideas, uh, questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. If you see something cool you want to send it my way, you know, hit me up. Um, I don't know if it's going to be next week's episode or the following, but uh, one of you guys uh, sent me a message saying uh, that you had an idea for the show for an episode topic. And uh, I took your advice and we're going to be doing it. So, Feel free, if you have an idea, if you want to hear a topic for the show, uh, shoot me a DM and I'll make sure I work it in. So that's all I got. I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate, wherever you celebrate. Stay safe, stay warm, and uh, yeah, that's all I got. Always remember, it all started with a mouse.